Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. Welcome to your money. All right, it is time to check in with one of my favorite analysts. U.S. stocks did an abrupt about face overnight, suffering their worst performance in months. Asian stocks are trading lower this morning as well. So, are markets waking up to economic reality? Have we reached a new inflection point, or was it simply profit taking on what's been an extraordinary run? And how are tech stocks doing? We thought they led the rally. What do we need to understand about tech stocks now? Joining us to answer these questions and more of our questions is Terence Wong. He's founder and CEO of Azure Capital. Terence, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Now, just yesterday, we were reporting that the NASDAQ had topped 10,000 for the first time ever. What a difference a day makes, hey? The NASDAQ dropped more than 5% overnight. The Dow and S&P 500 did even worse. So let me start by asking you a couple of questions. Do you think markets are waking up to economic reality? Hey, Michelle, as well, not exactly a good morning for anyone that's invested. Um, <laughs> if you look at the numbers, yeah, it, it looks very, very ugly. Uh, there's just blood all over. But if you, you were to ask me, I mean, I, my, my message has been pretty consistent over the last few months that, you know, we've been regularly speaking. Um, I think that the market hasn't fully appreciated, you know, the issues with the virus. It's going to be the impact on the economy. The global economy is going to be a lot uh, stronger than what uh, we give it credit for, and also that there's this uh, ongoing trade war that have uh, that's intensified over the last few months. There's a lot of rhetoric uh, out there, and and I believe that uh, some of these uh, threats uh, will actually affect the market. So there are a lot of negatives out there. It's just that uh, I believe that the market over uh, since. Uh, end of March, we've been looking at it from rose-tinted glasses. And we have chosen to look at the positives um, that, you know, beyond the lockdown, uh, global lockdown, uh, there will be a revival in a lot of the businesses, which is true. Uh, but uh, at the end of it, there are going to be a lot of businesses that are going to be hurt. There are a lot, gonna be a lot of people that are going to be continue to be unemployed, millions of them out there. Do you think we've really reached a new inflection point? Well, I don't think so. I, I feel that, you know, there is going to be, uh, as I mentioned in the last time we spoke, I think that there's going to be another uh, leg down. Uh, at that point in time, uh, then we need to consider whether the economy is really, uh, you know, on a proper foot and and whether the, the, the things that the Fed, the central banks have done in general would be able to assist uh, the economies uh, to get back on its feet. So remind our listeners again who may not have, have tuned in last month, are you talking about domestic lockdowns, sporadic and targeted over in the U.S., second wave? Well, I, I, I'm talking about uh, just in general. I mean, like, uh, there, will be a lot of, uh, there will be a lot of economic issues uh, coming through if, you know, the, if, if the economy turns out to be uh, worse than expected, and and there is going to be a potential. There there will be a potential. There can can possibly be mm. a potential second wave mm. of the virus, and that will bring the I think the the economy back down on its knees. So that's something that I think investors would have to look out for. Mm, sophisticated ones, yeah. Given all this, are you a net buyer, a seller, or are you staying on the sidelines? Mm, I continue to. I mean, I mean uh, over the last couple of weeks, in fact, over the last month, uh, as the markets continue to march uh, to, you know, like 
new highs for the U.S., uh, but in Singapore, if you look at the numbers, it has also done tremendously well. Um, over the past, I think, two weeks, the, the markets were up about 12%, which I feel uh, this search have been a bit too strong, and so I've been selling off uh, on the local markets. All right. If we look at tech stocks in the U.S., uh, we saw Nasdaq hit a high on Tuesday, briefly trading above 10,000 for the first time. How resilient do you think tech stocks are um, post-rally? Well, the tech stocks have done, you're right, they've done very, very well over this uh, period of time. Uh, many of them, like Amazon, Netflix, Zoom, you know, they're supposed to be beneficiaries of this uh, pandemic. And I do get it. And, mm. and it is true. But I believe that ultimately investors also have to be sensitive to valuations. I, I don't think it is realistic to expect companies to continue to trade at you know, over 100 times PE for a prolonged period of time. Right. Uh, and uh, I mentioned about the renewed trade war between US and China. That will have an impact on, on tech stocks. Um, and I am puzzled that as the trade war became a little bit more intense, uh, you know, as Donald Trump tried to unleash more measures and saying that they don't need China, that the tech stocks were still uh, relatively resilient. I tell you why. I mean, in 2018-2019, many of these tech stocks, particularly, you know, the likes of Apple, uh, they were caught in a, a crossfire as it manufactured, uh, as Apple had manufactured its iPhones in China. And China also happens to be one of its most important markets in terms of sales. Uh, stock price was hit during the during the, the the period in 2018-2019. Uh, the same goes for a lot of the chip makers like Intel, Qualcomm, you know, NVIDIA, uh, which have significant co- revenue contribution coming from China. So uh, if, if they, were to con- they were to be hit, and given that these guys are the bellwethers, uh, yeah. I think it will affect the sentiments across the tech chain. All right. And so for investors wondering how to tell when's a good time to sell their tech stocks, what would you say to them? I, I think it's, of course, uh, very, very stock specific. Yep. Um, and there are, and, and we have seen that those that are, you know, in cloud, uh, the companies that have benefited from the, the pandemic, um, rightfully should do better. Whereas those guys that do have uh, exposure, you know, uh, with manufacturing facilities and the likes of China, those are guys that you probably have to be a little bit more wa- uh, to be wary about. But then again, on on the on the topic of the the guys that are the cloud guys, you know, the uh, they we also have to be very very concerned about the valuations. It's not like you can continue to buy it. Um, the, we still have to be like say sensitive to uh, how they uh, do and what the earnings are going to be like. All right, he's Terence Wong, CEO of Azure Capital. If we bring it back home, everybody looking to Singapore's recovery, which sectors do you expect to recover fastest, Terence? Right, I think if you look at the guys that got hit the hardest, uh, those will likely see the strongest rebound. Uh, We've already seen that actually at the start of, uh, towards the end of May and into early June, many of the guys in the hospitality sector, uh, many of uh, many of them in retail, as well as the aviation guys, they have all like jumped tremendously. Many people, and and I hear investors lament, you know that ah yeah, I should have, I should have bought, you know, uh, but I I don't think that they're too late. I this sell down will give them an opportunity to reposition to go into 
these recovery sectors. Uh, another recovery sector that I think is interesting and relatively safe, uh, well, safer, will be the property guys. Uh, many of these big property developers uh, will, well, of course, be hit in the short term, but the, the impact will not almost be as severe as in the past. And there are quite a few reasons for that. Um, but uh, but interestingly, if you look at the valuations, it is trading about 40-50% discount to its RNEV, which I think is attractive. So give it a little bit of time. If the markets were to come off, uh, they trade at a bigger discount to RNEV, and I think it makes it a lot more interesting and attractive to investors. All right, Terence, let's move over to Hong Kong and news related to Hong Kong. So Asia-focused banking giant HSBC's very vocal support for China's controversial Hong Kong security law has not been well received in Britain. The London headquartered lender last week backed Beijing's contentious legal proposal for Hong Kong. HSBC's announcement has angered business and political circles in Britain. So what do you think this means for the bank? It's coming under fire for backing China's Hong Kong law. Do you think it's going to impact the bank and their consumer base over in Hong Kong? Yeah. Well, Michelle, I just want to check. Uh, this program is called Money and Me, right? Indeed. So not okay, political not, analysts, it, don't worry. It's not political analysts, yeah. No, okay. no. So yeah. I, if it were, then I have a lot to say about UK. Ah! But anyway, so, ah, 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 well, there's another story for another day then. Um, well, HSBC is uh, clearly in a polygamous relationship. And you know, when there's such a relationship, it always ends up being ugly. Um, while it may be based in UK, its roots are deeply entrenched in Hong Kong. Well, if you go to Hong Kong, if you look at the currency, you realize that uh, quite a, few, uh, a lot of them, probably a third of them, will be printed by, uh, with, with HSBC's name on it. So there's a long history with uh, HSBC being in Hong Kong. Uh, but in recent years, I think, uh, you know, they, HSBC tried to please uh, UK, they tried to please China, but in the end, uh, no one was happy. 2016-2017, uh, I think, was a defining moment. HSBC cooperated in the US investigation into Huawei, and this very, very obviously incurred the wrath of China. That's no good, as, as China is its biggest uh, market, accounting for probably a third of its revenue. And uh, during the protest days, you remember last, last year, it's a uh, very iconic lions that sits outside its Hong Kong uh, towers. Uh, that one was vandalized and was moved for only the third time in history. Uh, and late last month, uh, Hong Kong's former chief executive, Liang Zanin, called on business people, called on business people, the politicians from the mainland of Hong Kong to, who hold accounts at HSBC to take immediate action to protect themselves. Not really sure what that means, uh, but... It, it sounds pretty severe. And finally, HSBC had to endorse the security law. Right? I don't blame them. Any firm uh, would need a safe and stable Hong Kong to conduct business in. But uh, I think because of HSBC's uh, very, very unique position, its stand has been uh, amplified and highly politicized. All right. We've talked about SIA in past shows. Uh, just recently, I think people were cheering what looked like um, SIA attempting to meet new travel demands, um, you know, looking to allow passengers from some Australian and New Zealand cities to transit through Changi Airport. What do you make of SIA as a stock and in terms of the sector for Asian aviation? What sort of recovery are you anticipating? Well, yeah, I think it's 
just going to be uh, positive in general because uh, nothing can be worse than you know what we saw in April and May mm-hmm. uh, at a point at the juncture was 96% of its capacity was cut right and the passengers and, and these passenger planes were actually used for cargo uh, that's how bad it is so uh, we are definitely not out of the woods yet uh, but it's heartening to see them you know, announce an expanded uh, schedule for June and July. There'll be new flights that's going to be added. All these, uh, all these uh, would lead to a potential. In, in fact, we are already in the midst of, uh, we're looking forward to a, a recovery. But if you ask me about the equities, uh, airlines in general, uh, like I said, in the past few uh, couple of months, we've been talking about airlines. And I, I think airlines don't typically make good investments. I never like the airlines. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this case, government stands firmly behind SIA. Mm-hmm. The stock price has been dumped down uh, and there's a massive rights issue. So so there's a lot of cash in its coffers that will allow it to you know, tolerate a few bad years. This this year that we're looking at right now in uh, financial year 2021, because the year ends in March, uh, we are now in the first quarter, which is going to be the worst qu- quarter in its history, and uh, they're going to probably end up with a billion or two in in losses. Uh, but that's it. Uh, I think a lo- the the worst uh, quarter is almost going to be behind it. Uh, and I think that should the markets correct and SIA falls to say 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7 times price to book, which was what what we saw a few weeks ago before the run up, uh, then I think it is a, a re- an okay time to actually accumulate the stock. Well, you're right, Terence. This is called Money and Me. So I can't do a show without asking you, what are your hot stock picks or what are you looking at both in the US and in Singapore? Well, I, I look more into uh, Singapore and I think that, uh, well, currently uh, uh, I've been a net seller of it. Um, but should the recovery come, uh, I, I did mention that you know property was some was something that I'll look at. Uh, if SIA does fall to more palatable levels, that's something that I'll accumulate. And of course, we have been positioned in some of the healthcare stocks, um, healthcare related stocks uh, like say Medtex and uh, Top Global. I mean uh, Top Glove. Yes, can you share a little bit? We saw great interest in Top Glove. Um, what, is there further upside? Well, I, I, I think that um, the the numbers are glowing and this is uh, sort of expected uh, that it's going to rise. But I, I think the the jump has been fairly significant and this is just the start of it because uh, the demand for gloves really, really exploded uh, into the end of the first quarter and very much into the second quarter. So this current quarter, we're going to see a very, very big jump. Uh, there's a huge surge in demand. And I think their orders are already like way into 2021, 2022. So mm. uh, they, they cannot uh, supply almost as fast enough. Uh, the And that has resulted in the average selling price also rising. And a good thing about it, I think the stars are all aligned. Uh, they actually sell in US dollars. And guess what? Most of their, oh. the, the bulk of their cost is in ringgit. Mm-hmm. So, so there's going to be massive, there's going to be a big uh, margin expansion for companies like them. Demand surge, margin expansion, I think that the bottom line will look uh, very, very healthy. We're talking about, you know, uh, for the next two years, there could possibly be a six, seven, eight times, and not seven, six, seven, eight percent, but six, seven, eight times jump in their earnings growth. So uh, 
All right, we've been especially, talking. Yep. Especially if um, a second wave comes back. And, and I think that, you know, it is threatening with, uh, with a lot of economies opening up. And also, you know, in the West, there's a lot of protests current, currently because of George Floyd. Then I think it's uh, a potential recipe for a second wave. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I agree with you there. We thank you as always for your insights, Terence. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Michelle. Terence Wong there, CEO of Azure Capital. We were just talking about Malaysia's glove maker, Top Glove, which, by the way, had a banner quarter. It's after tax profit jumped nearly fourfold to about $115 million. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.